Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. If there's one thing that's true of the world, it's that it's always changing. I know I'm stating the obvious there, but as a parent, I'm often reminded of how much the world has changed since I was a child. The way we educate and parent has changed. Societal norms have changed. Technology has changed. I believe in equality between the sexes. I believe in supporting my son to embrace his emotions and speak his truth, to empower my daughter to do the same. But sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm confused about the rhetoric around gender and small children and what I actually should be doing. So I've invited Anthony Saman in to chat about it. Anthony is an educator, researcher and early childhood advocate. And while he's a very sought after speaker, I came across him because an educator at my son's daycare was raving about him. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm really well. How are you? So when I spoke to someone at your office, they said, oh, yes, Anthony, he's a bit of a rock star in the early <laughs> early learning sector. So do people go a bit crazy when you go on to speak? Oh, there's a lot of selfies. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. So um, if we could start with getting some perspective, how do you think our understanding of gender identity has changed since you or I were at school? Yeah. Or before school, since we were five, let's say. I think there's more conversation about gender equity. I believe that it's got more focus lately because parents want their children to succeed. And we've come to realise that gender can be an enabler or actually a disabler in the contemporary world. So it's got more focus these days. There's a lot of research about the link between gender and educational outcomes, and generally gender and development for children. And I believe parents want their children to succeed. So it's a real focus, not just in the education space, but generally for parents. And the research has changed over time. So we're trying to, trying to keep up with what the research is saying. There have been a few stories in the media about parents raising their child as gender neutral. I have no idea how I feel about that. I've got a boy and a girl who both, to me, display atypical or traditional, I should say, traditional ways of being male or female. He loves trucks. She loves dolls. And I don't have a problem with either of those things. But then I hear stories like this and I think, okay, well, what is the purpose in raising your child as gender neutral? And is that a good thing? Yeah. If I can backtrack a bit, let's just make a distinction between sex and gender. And probably the best way to do it is to say basically gender is the performance. It's a performance. So we understand that there are many ways to be a young girl. There are many ways to be a boy. And in thinking about that, we're just going to let go of the genitalia for a bit, which is that, you know, what you're assigned with as a young child. So when people talk about gender neutrality, I think people think we're saying they're not a boy or they're not a girl. And that's not what it's about. That's where the confusion lies. And people kind of think, well, how do I do that? They know they're a boy. They yes. know they're a girl. I'm, <laughs> I'm really confused. So if we take a less radical view on this, which I think sometimes is helpful, we don't want to turn parenting into an extreme sport. It's hard enough. <laughs> it's hard enough as it is for families. You know, you get advice off the net. You get advice from colleagues. You know, everyone's an expert. 
think what we're trying to say is give your child an opportunity to succeed regardless of some of the limitations we can place on them and regardless of some of the limitations society can place on them. What that does, though, is then children place limitations on themselves. So when we hear gender neutral, what I try to think of is here are parents who are saying, I want my child to fly. I want them not to be limited by labels or the expectations of others. Do these young children know that they're a boy or a girl or anything else? Possibly. Highly likely. (laughs) You know, it's one of the first announcements. Now people have balloons that they bust when they're announced they're pregnant. It's a boy, it's a girl. What comes with that then is a set of expectations. My, My call to parents is do parenting really well. Teach your young children that gender need not be a limitation. But actually, it's not something that we should ignore either. Embrace. Embrace femalehood. Embrace malehood. But not at the expense of others and not at the expense of self-limiting. So I'll give you an example. There was a great study done many, many years ago where they got a group of young girls and a group of young boys up against a tree and they put a ladder up against the tree. Now, they designed the ladder where you actually couldn't climb it because the first step was so high up. And so these children struggled to get up onto this ladder. Then they pulled them aside and said to the young boys, what happened? Why couldn't you climb it? And the young boy said, well, the ladder's broken. The young girls overwhelmingly said, I can't do it. So one blamed the external factor. The other blamed themselves. That's what we're trying to get rid of, is actually... You know, don't limit yourself because of an expectation and don't blame yourself, which overwhelmingly women do. You know, there's that idea of the, you know, the imposter syndrome. I'm not doing my job very well. Great. No one figured that out. (laughs) And we don't want young girls to be the same, nor do we want boys to embrace a kind of masculinity that sets them up to fail in the world. Another example, if I may, the ways in which parents respond to crying babies. There is a time lag between how they respond to a boy, and how they respond to a young girl crying. Interestingly enough, they run quicker to a crying boy. Really? Absolutely. I thought you were going to say the other so, way around. So did I. That's what most people think. No, yeah. no, no. They're attentive to them really quickly, where they kind of step back a little bit when it's a young girl. And I think, well, if we're talking here about an overwhelming um kind of standard, like in, in, in data, we talk about, you know, a theme or something that happens more regularly. What's going on here in the world? Like how we respond to a young girl when she falls over. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, you, oh darling, we'll get you a Band-Aid, a boy. You'll be okay. Yeah, buck Off up you go. and cry. Yep, yep. And we wonder why men can't talk about their emotions. And see, these have impacts way beyond childhood. So I think that's what we're trying to do here is let's kind of birth genders, meaning create genders that we should celebrate and, and, and create equality in the world. Yeah. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Anthony Saman. He's an educator, researcher, and early childhood advocate, and we're talking about gender. Um, I would love to talk a bit more about what you just mentioned there in terms of let's embrace femininity or masculinity if that's if that's your gender and you you want to embrace it but take away the negative stuff as well um do you think sometimes that when people get confused that's where we stop appreciating what's different about different sexes so um i don't know i just have a sense that men and women are different mm. You know, and there's a reason, and if we don't support particularly our boys to become men in a way that 
sits right with their masculinity, that we're letting them down there as well. Yep, agree. And there's nothing to be ashamed about if you're a, a male nor a female. We start hearing things like children don't notice gender. They don't see difference. They actually do. Children notice difference. You know, when their parents go to collect them from childcare, they know that's their parent. They don't go up to a random person because <laughs> yes. they don't see the difference yes, around yes. them. I think this is our sensitivity around wanting children to be innocent. And we need to embrace that. What we need to do is figure out how we work with that. So, um, yeah, there is this overwhelming um, uh, desire, I think, to eradicate or make invisible the differences in the gender. Now, when I, when I think about that, there's nothing inherent about who cries more or who cries less. You know, we hear about stuff like, oh, women gossip in the workplace. You know, all the research say men gossip the same amount, but they just call it something different. Social bonding, you know, and that's some <laughs> other words. I remember when Princess Diana died. I rocked up home. My father cried for days. Really? Absolutely. My mother's like, stop crying. <laughs> now, my father was a man's man, you know? But we can kind of go, isn't he being sensitive? Well, he's just been a human who shows his emotions. And we, we want to celeb- celebrate that. And we don't want children to be ashamed of who they are. So this is a call to action, really. You know, I often say to people, be very careful how you raise children. Be very careful. Like, you know, when you change a nappy. Be careful how you change a child's nappy because one day we're going to be in a nursing home and they'll be changing our nappies. So pay attention to them. Make eye contact because when you're in your late 90s in a nursing home and someone's changing your nappy, you want them to treat you as a human, not as an object. And gender is the same. You know, you want your young boy to grow up and respect women, but you also want them to respect other men. We don't want them to be violent on the streets. We want young girls to be proud of who they are and not fall into the trappings of expectations out there. So do children notice the differences? Absolutely. Is there a problem with that? Not really. It's how we embrace the diversity of of, of the genders that exist. Yeah. One of the things I think is kind of a practical... um, extrapolation of that, if I can say it that way, in terms of when we get a bit worried about gender Mm. and trying to eradicate it, Mm. is um, when this discussion about whether boys can play with trucks and girls can play with dolls. Mm. I am lucky that I have one of each sex, so we have all kinds of toys all over our house. And they're not the best sharers, Mm. I'll admit that. Mm. But he must have probably about 500 cars and she has a lot of stuffed toys. Those were the preferences that they wanted and that they asked for. But sometimes I hear a kind of conversation about, you know, boys should be able to play with dolls and girls should be able to play Mm. with cars. And I'm fine with whatever they want to play with, with whatever they want to wear. But I feel like, should I be responsible for making them play with dolls if he's inclined to play with cars have I failed somehow in bringing him up to have a more open sense of what it is Mm. to be a boy yeah you know that's an interesting question there's there's something called socialization children get lots of messages from the world around them not just from their parents but it raises particular questions like I see the hypersensitivity about girls in pink What's wrong with pink? No one's hypersensitive that I always wear black. (laughs) So we we can kind of trouble something and go, pink must mean you're submissive. Pink must mean you can't make a rational decision. 
And so we're kind of like, we've got to get the girls off the, the dolls and we've got to get them playing with the cars. Possibly, if you want and if your kid likes it. But why force that? I'd rather look at the kind of child that child is. So if I'm a young boy who is socially connected, who understands not only my feelings but the feelings of other children, who doesn't spend time when they go to school at the principal's office and you happen to play with cars, I'm okay with that. There are bigger problems out there to deal with than I need to get my child off the cars and wearing pink, (laughs) you know? And I, I often think to myself, what is the problem we're trying to solve here? What is the problem? And I think it is behavioral problems, but we tend to take them back down to gender stereotypes. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't issues to be solved here. There absolutely are. You know, the, 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 the physical aggression that we see out in the world that predominantly lives in a masculine domain. Now, we're not going to solve it by getting boys to stop playing with little cars. That's a very simplistic response to a really big societal problem. It comes back down to parenting and some responsibility we share as a community around how we expect young boys to behave. And I think this is where we have to take the pressure off parents to say there isn't one simple answer to this. If your boys or your your young daughter likes to play with a particular thing and you're raising a good child, good on you. Because we can have boys who like to play with dollhouses, who have antisocial behaviour. So that hasn't solved the problem for us. So it becomes a question of parenting, but also monitoring your own parenting to make sure that you're not trapping your child into a particular expectation around their behaviour that won't actually suit them or aid them in future. E.g. asking young boys to resolve conflict through physical aggression. Stand up for yourself. You tell them that they're wrong and I'm right. You know, punch him back. That's not helping anyone in the world, actually. And really, do we hear that for young girls who are trying to solve conflict in the schoolyard? And that's where we get trapped by gender. Yeah. I think I could keep speaking all afternoon, but I'll have to stop. Anthony, thank you so much for speaking with us today. You're so welcome. That's Anthony Saman. He's the ed- he's an educator, researcher, and early childhood advocate, and director and founder at Saman and Slattery.